1: Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow is underway on this Tuesday edition. We are live from 6th and Peabody with e Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Great show today. John McClain has covered the NFL for five decades now. He will be with us talking all things NFL headlines, discussion, opinion, and more. Get uh, his big takeaways. That's coming up in hour number two. Plus, uh, in two hours from right now, Big Shot Rob. Robert Ory joins us, seven-time NBA champion. We'll preview the start, the tip-off of the NBA season. Chad, good afternoon.
2: Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited for today's lineup. Plenty to get into throughout the day, too. Not just football today we're going to no, be talking.
1: about. Uh, uh, MLB postseason. Yeah. So we've got uh, uh, but football. Cheating
2: scandals. We've yes. got more Connor Stallions news out there. Oh. All of the investigative journalists on social media are at it. We've got photos, we've got videos, we've got everything.
1: <laughs> this, is the, this is where the NCAA gets it. Uh, this is where they have their investigative team. It's the media. It's what used to be just Yahoo Sports, or you, you had the, uh, the solid riders that did their digging, and then they re- you know, came back with like a six-month investigation piece. Not much of that going on anymore, but whenever you throw a little bait in the water, you have all the, uh, all the journalists going back on the, on the tape, the sideline video, to see if they can zoom in and find Connor Stallions. And, man, have they. Dude was everywhere.
2: Well, it's not, um, you know, I've heard this, well, it's going to be difficult to prove type idea, right? If someone's <laughs> out stealing signals or doing this and that. And I think on its face, yeah, if you're doing it the right way, if some, someone associated with Michigan, that's a high school football coach somewhere or something, is deciding to go on all these Big Ten games and they're paying money through their own account to get tickets, right. and then they're sending information back some way or going in meeting with some Michigan correspondent, not sending it via text, not sending it via email, anyone could do that. Anyone can buy a ticket in a certain spot, go to a game and attempt to steal signs, and then get that back to their team of choice. But it's very easy to prove when Connor Stallions is the one Venmoing people, and Ga is to go to games when he's there studying the signals from the other side. When there's placards available of of hand signs that he's showing the Michigan coaches. When he is through his own, I guess, Ticketmaster account. I don't know how he does it. Is buying suspiciously one seat on each side. To watch the other side during is. Big Ten games? Yeah, gee, I wonder how that could be. Point is, it's very simple. If there's, electronic, if there's electronic trail, and if someone's buying tickets out of their own account to make it happen, extremely easy to prove this. And we're starting to see a lot of that evidence now. Chad, we
1: will uh, dive deeper into all of the reports and uh, video that have been out there on social. That's coming up later in the show. Uh, hey, let me raise my hand. I am dead wrong. I was dumb last night for Monday Night Football. The Minnesota Vikings are absolutely back in the playoff mix at three and four. They are one of four different NFC teams right now at three and four. And currently, after last night's upset win over San Francisco, they have the eighth spot in the NFL playoff picture as we go into week eight. And that means they're the first team out. But looking up ahead of them, they have teams that can certainly falter. And Minnesota has a team that can absolutely start stringing together wins. The upcoming schedule not all that daunting. They've just won two straight, and they've done it without Justin Jefferson. And for all of the discussion over the last two weeks about the Vikings need to be sellers and whether or not Kirk Cousins would waive the trade, no, he's not going to do that. He's staying. We know he's unlikely to be back with the franchise a year from now because of big contracts elsewhere. They're going to pay Justin Jefferson. They've already paid T.J. Hawkinson. They have a great young receiver in Jordan Addison who put on a show last night. Great touchdown takeaway and score uh, right before the, the, the halftime uh, last night. Point being, they took down San Francisco and a seven-point favorite on the road, the 49ers. That was the third largest upset victory for Kirk Cousins against the spread in his career. He had been awful in prime time. He was excellent last night and while they didn't put up a ton of points the defense showed up for the uh, they're finally starting to come together on that end of, uh, end of things with Brian Flores and they're doing enough to stay on the field offensively. The biggest throws Cousins made was to keep the 49er defense on the field and keep the offense off and they did it. However, I think instead of Sellers, they're definitely not that. I don't think you can just say, hey, we have Addison. We're getting Jefferson back. We have Hawkinson and Cousins. We, last year, we won a lot of close games. I think they need to be buyers as they hit the deadline. And just, just pieces like Cam Akers. They've already traded for him with, with L.A. They have Madison. I just don't think Madison is that big moment back. And Cam Akers was disgruntled and couldn't get along with Sean McVay's offense with the Rams. And defense, I think they could use a piece or two, role players, puzzle pieces. If they can do that, they have the talent available to not just be a playoff team, but to be that team this year that can get in on the back end of the schedule and then go on the road and win. But they have to be built to do that. And that goes with the run game, a consistent one, one you can turn to in short yardage, and defensive play. They had that last night against who many assume and believe I did, San Francisco, to be the top team in the NFC. Could be Philly now, could still be San Fran. Uh, look around, and again, there are a lot of teams that are good, not great. Minnesota's one of them, but they absolutely have the chance, Chad. To jump back in the mix after last night's win on Monday night.
2: Yeah, super impressed Minnesota last night. I, I like you, Hut. I, I thought Minnesota would cover when we were making our picks yesterday. I didn't think they were going to win outright, but that's a huge win. And when you look at that division now, the Lions are still really good. They're winning, I think. Yeah, but you don't know. The Vikings, to me, are pretty clearly second in that oh, yeah. division with the way Green Bay is spiraling and they have we know a the Bears this week have their Green problems. Bay. So they're, they're clearly the second-best team there. And Kirk Cousins once again shows that when you give Kirk Cousins time, the guy's got pinpoint accuracy. He's putting the ball exactly where he wants when he is not under duress every single time out, and that's what he was able to do last night. Super impressed the Vikings. They've gotten themselves right back into the season. They, they want – everything's now in front of them. For the 49ers, two losses in a row. So they're facing a little bit of adversity right now. I still think they're going to be fine. But they have not looked good the last two weeks. You could blame some on weather a week ago in Cleveland and some weird circumstances in that one. Can't blame weather in this game in Minnesota. So this is now back-to-back weeks where they've struggled. Yep, and they've got by ahead of them, you make
1: it to San Francisco, that Seattle is, is right behind them. The Rams are in playoff contention. They're among the teams with three wins right now, surprisingly. Uh, that division seemingly, uh, two weeks ago, was under lock and key to San Francisco. Who knows uh, with the way this NFL season's playing out. Two weeks later, the narrative changes quickly from a team that destroyed Dallas, and took care of business, to now back-to-back losses and everyone asking, what's, what's really going on within that defense? Because the defense hasn't been as dominant over the last two weeks. That's where they've got to pick up the pace and be the Niners team that went into week six as an unbeaten. Chad, uh, maybe all it takes is just Creed in the locker room. Maybe that's it. Hey, Kirk it, Cousins says they're 2-0 when they listen to Creed. It's working. Turned uh, on higher right before
2: kickoff. Works in here, too. Davey walks in every day singing Creed, and I immediately start singing Creed also in my head throughout the day. So there's something about that band uh, that's a real earworm. When you hear Creed, you can't unhear it, and, in fact, you hear it for the next three or four weeks Over and over again, I've got, with arms wide open, blaring in my head right now. That's
1: what he said they were listening to last night.
2: Apologies to anyone else that uh, just hears the word creed that I just said and now can't get a creed (laughs) tune out of your head. For me, it's with arms wide open. For others, it may be higher. For Kirk Cousins, it's higher. But apologies if you can't get creed out of your head like me. Chad, from buyers who, again, I think –
1: Minnesota should be a, a buyer at the deadline, even on the low end. They've have 7 picks. They've acquired some some picks in, in recent trades. Who's the seller right now in the NFL? A deadline one week from today.
2: It's it's the Tennessee Titans. Um, and they sold yesterday with, with Kevin Byard. Speaking of buyers, the Eagles are a buyer, and they bought Byard, who is a great player for the Titans. Having a down year this year, but that's in large part because Rand Carthon, the new GM, walked in and his first order of business was to ask him to take a pay cut, which was not received well, clearly, from Kevin Byard. I'm not sure that Byard was ever bought in to this direction of the Titans. I think he feels a lot of loyalty to John Robinson, uh, who drafted him and who believed in him and who stood behind him and probably felt betrayed when the new guy came in. And Hey, he's doing what he has to do for salary cap purposes and everything else with how they want to build. He's doing business, and Kevin Byard didn't like that business, and now, not even that deep into the season, Kevin Byard is on his way out with the Titans. This is one of the big question marks moving forward now in the NFL. We all saw Mike Vrabel joining the Patriots Hall of Fame, sitting in a luxury suite next to Robert Kraft in his red Patriots coat. We all saw Mike Vrabel in his acceptance speech talking about uh, to the Patriots fans, hey, Understand how good you have it up here. I've been trying to recreate this everywhere I've been, and I've been unsuccessful. Know how good you have it, because I've been different places, and it's not like this. Who could he be talking about? Well, Mike Vrabel played for the Steelers. I don't think he's talking about that organization. Played for the Chiefs. Maybe he's talking about them. The Texans, where he was a coach, certainly could be talking about him. He could also be talking about his current job with the Tennessee Titans, where he's tried to recreate that Patriots way, and it has worked to some degrees, but it's not working this year with this group. So the Titans' decision now, which I believe is fully led and endorsed by Mike Vrabel, regardless of what he says, he is the ultimate decision maker. They don't become sellers without Mike Vrabel coming in and saying, I'm okay with this. I'm still going to go out there and try to win, but we need to pivot to what's next. So do the Titans believe Mike Vrabel, who's done a good job in this first iteration of a successful Titans team, is the man to lead the organization into its next iteration of success. I think the answer is yes. But circle this day, or really yesterday, the day that Kevin Byard was traded. A leader, an all-pro, and a homegrown Titan. The day that he was traded as the nexus of what's next for the Tennessee Titans. Is Derrick Henry next? He's certainly on the trading block. I don't know that the Titans are going to get much for him at this point, given his contract and his salary, someone will be inheriting. A lot of question marks about the Titans and their new direction. And I'll simply pose the question, is Mike Vrabel in this for the long haul with this Titans organization, or is he going to start to look around And do you believe anyone else is in charge of the Titans other than Mike Vrabel? My answer to that is no. He's fully in control and he's fully embracing now what is next for the Titans. And Hutton, what is next is a non-competitive rebuild. That is where this team is headed. They are not any good. With Ryan Tannehill injured and mixing in Malik Willis and Will Levis at quarterback, this roster, this team... Everything they did in the offseason, none of it has paid off. And they're not good. And they're about to bottom out this year. Is Mike Vrabel the one to lead them back to the promised land? Or whatever the promised land is for the Titans.
1: Well, um, I think it certainly would be a bad decision if they let him go. Uh, if they fire him. Uh, oh, I, at, I agree. At, at worst, you trade him. Uh, because he's got what four years left on his contract. Because I believe it matched up with John Robinson. Who was fired in, in the first year of a contract extension uh, with with the Titans a year ago. So I, I think it would be a mistake to get rid of him. I don't think he's on the hot seat yet. Um, but again, the hot seat would entail him being fired. I, 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 the value for Vrabel right now across the NFL would be extremely high. And if we're just starting that discussion, um, I think it ends with a, a trade, not he's out. However, new general manager who was brought in to add depth for a team that has none, And going into yesterday, prior to the trade, they had six total picks, Chad. Three of those were seventh rounders due to moves made by this regime and the previous that have not panned out whatsoever. I think this, I will circle not this, not yesterday. I will point back to the yesterday plus this upcoming week because I want to see if they're sellers on more than just Kevin Byard. I think they absolutely can be. Do they get what they need in return for Derrick Henry? Don't know that. $6.4 million is what he's owed the remainder of the schedule. If you want Derrick Henry, you have to pony up that. Plus, you have to have the draft picks necessary to get it done instead of the Titans just keeping him. Or, uh, I mean, you're not doing it for a conditional sixth, for instance. At least I wouldn't do that. Um, the other player is DeAndre Hopkins, who they signed this offseason and has panned out. He's been the one good signing So far. And that's the other player that would present some value to a team right at the deadline. He would be in that list. And it's a lengthy list right now across the NFL of vets with expiring contracts that are apparently for sale for teams that are two or three wins in, maybe less. And they know they're not at the same position, for instance, as Minnesota with their three wins, looking ahead of what's ahead for them. You feel different if you're Cincinnati, right? Or if you're the, the Browns right now because of what you could be coming back from with, uh, from injury or what you've done and the consistent play that you've had instead of the up and down play. They weren't good with a healthy roster. And right now they're banged up at quarterback. It sounds like to me they're going to play two quarterbacks, Will Levis and Malik Willis, this coming Sunday against Atlanta. And they've only been giving Henry roughly 50% of the snaps that we're used to seeing, right? They can't stay on the field. Do they want to trade him? I think they would for the right value return. But, Chad, I don't know if they're going to get that. So I don't know if we see the fire cell that could be happening or trying to happen behind the scenes because you need some value in return to make it make sense. And you don't just give away players for sixth and seventh round picks where you throw in the towel in week eight just like they did throw in the towel in the second week of December, first week of December, when they fired John Robinson.
2: Well, they threw in the towel again yesterday, from this year. And that's the message to a team that's used to winning division titles.
1: And you don't want to take a pay cut? They'll trade you anyway. Stay
3: tuned. Major League Baseball postseason discussion next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Sixth
1: and Peabody, our location for the Tuesday edition. Hot Mike with Hunt and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Chad, uh, coming up, we've got on the bus, off, uh, off the bus. Plenty of questions to discuss across the NFL and college football. But we also have uh, Major League Baseball. and At least one half of the World Series is set. Game seven tonight between uh, Philly and Arizona. But here is uh, Texas, Tejas. The Rangers. The Rangers, baby. Headed to the World Series in uh, a win against the Astros where every road team won. And I just don't know how a team that has been as clutch as Houston has been roster-wise, with the names that you could just start listing off, can't win a a home game in this series.
2: The Astros are the only Major League Baseball franchise to ever lose a series by losing all four home games. And they've done it twice now. Mm. And this year's ALCS in okay. 2019 against the Washington Nationals in the World Series. Who else remembers those Washington Nationals winning a World Series? When I saw that fact, I'm like, oh, that was four years ago? <laughs> the Nationals, who were god-awful now and completely sold off everything, were World Series champions. Crazy to think about that, but just a bad team at home throughout the year. Bruce Bochy. Clutch. Is he one of the greatest managers in the history of Major League Baseball? He's the first to ever take three different clubs to the World Series. And he takes the Padres to the World Series. He wins three World Series in the 2010s, the 2010s with the San Francisco Giants, and now he's got the Rangers in the World Series. Oh, An he, Incredible he's career 12.
1: Career. He's 12 for 13 in elimination games.
2: That is he's something lost else. One
1: elimination
2: game. That's crazy, man. That's something else. Now, look, I don't know the uh, national interest in this Rangers team. That was great for the first part of the season. Fell apart a little bit after the All-Star break and then picked it back up to get in the playoffs. But talented group, Bruce Bochy, I mean, he's a legend at this point. When you look at his resume and what he's been able to do with different teams, they get into the World Series, and now we got another Game 7 so, Hutton, we were bemoaning the fact that it felt like every series in the postseason Man. was too quick, and now we've got two game sevens in the in the League Championship Series.
1: Oh, and yeah, they, they, I mean, they cruised in this game. Texas did eleven to four, and you had Garcia raking uh, in this, or Garcia raking in this. I mean, it was. Uh, I mean, he has he's been doing that all postseason, and that's by the way, is what the Diamondbacks did yesterday. They started that game. Just like they were starting the games off against the Dodgers, quick, fast, and by the ninth inning, uh, it was what five one, and fans in Philly were pouring out of there.
2: Phillies fans were hitting the exits early. They're very consistent. Philly yeah, fans. and um, man, what, what for the Phillies? It feels like they haven't really faced pressure yet this postseason. In a weird way, they win the first two against the Marlins. They jump on the Braves in Game One. I guess going back home 1-1 after the way they lost game two, some pressure in the series there, but they easily win in game three, and they end up winning in four games in that one. They jump on the Diamondbacks 2-0, coming back 2-2 a a little bit there, but pressure-packed moment in game seven now for the Phillies with the Diamondbacks. I would would ask all America, name three Arizona Diamondbacks. And I doubt anyone could. You could probably say the same for the Rangers, honestly. And if it's Rangers-Diamondbacks, what a story that would be about where Major League Baseball is right now, which is really good parity. I mean, you look at some of the top payrolls in baseball that aren't in the postseason, the Mets, the Yankees, the Padres, and some of these teams that while they pay good money, especially the Phillies, for their, their roster, you're not at par with some of these other franchises with what they're paying in salary. So I I think good stories with the Rangers and the Diamondbacks, but it still feels like to me, Hutton, as we get ready for this game seven between the Phillies and Arizona, the Phillies are still that team to beat.
1: I agree. And they've got, what, Suarez on the mound? You know him well going against the Braves. Ranger
2: Suarez was terrific in the division
1: series. But Nola's been really good throughout the year, right? Yeah. he was was not good yesterday.
2: He's the race. Nola is most of the time. Uh, Zach Wheeler kind of becomes that ace in the postseason. It seems like, but Ranger Suarez was very, very clutch in the division series against the Braves. Tickets are, are fairly easy
1: uh, for fans to get into the door, uh, into the gates tonight. If uh, it'll be a it'll be a raucous crowd, but it's not anything close to what we were expecting to see on uh, the just the get in price. Where I mean, it's roughly two hundred fifty to three hundred bucks, I believe, for. Upper deck, game seven, first game seven for Philadelphia ever, which is...
2: 140 years. It's nuts, As man. a team, never had a game seven. Uh, and and blew meanwhile, my mind.
1: think about, there's a better who placed a $1,000 bet in April on the Diamondbacks to win the World Series, 180 to one odds. And in a change, but not all that, I mean, it, they were plus 5,000 on June 10th to win the World Series. So if you're a... Why didn't I jump on that? I mean, they were leading the division, but no one believed they would actually do this.
2: On June 10th? On June? Oh, the, yeah, on June 10th. I don't think they were leading the division. The Phillies or the Diamondbacks? No, no, no. The oh, Diamondbacks. the Diamondbacks. Okay, Diamondbacks, okay. Yeah. I'm saying. I'm thinking if the Phillies were ever that, I should have really no, no, jumped no, no, on no. that because they
1: struggled early in the year. No, but they, I mean, this, there's, a, there's a gambler who put a $1,000 wager
2: on the Diamondbacks to win the World Series in April, and they could win 130 dollars Here's what I'd like to know about that gambler. All right, $1,000 on the Diamondbacks on June 10th to win it all. How many other $1,000 bets does that guy place? If you have that much money and are gambling that much, that's the great story that we hear about. How many other $1,000 bets did he place on other teams that didn't win the World Series? Or that in other leagues that he's done that he's lost over the time? Now, it all evens out if you hit on something like that with those long odds, but I'd like to know that part of the story. But, I mean, also.
1: if it's a $1,000 bet on every team, he's making Yeah,
2: I'd like to interview the person 000. to find out how many of those bets they're placing. If that's the only one you made of that amount, great, good for you. But if probably you, placing a lot of bets. With but if that. you
1: take thirty grand and spread it across the league, and you hit on a one hundred and thirty to one odd team that wins it, yeah,
2: you're just rooting for the long odds at that point. Yeah, you don't want it, the
1: favorite to win. Well, yeah, and you end up. I mean, you make a hundred grand. Yeah. So, I mean, he's whoever this is is feeling pretty good based on the way Arizona has been clutch recently. Um, I'm with you though. The uh, so. I mean, they had the eighth worst odds to win the, the championship. And they're going against Philly, who, Chad, I'm with you, man. I still buy into the fact they win tonight. But Arizona's found the, the hot bats and the early starts. And that takes the crowd out of it there. That's what they did yesterday. They were booing uh, during pitching changes last night, which I guess you would expect for Philly fans.
2: Yeah, that's kind of their thing. I watched the movie Invincible. Uh, lately, with, uh, with my daughter. And uh, that's a good look at Philly fans also in that movie. Good one with Mark Wahlberg there. Philly um, fans are happy with the Eagles, though. Kurt Schilling told us that 1993 Phillies were a team of destiny that did not win it. The 2001 Yankees, and he was on the other side of it. Team of destiny that did not win it. His Diamondbacks won it that year. I still really feel like the Phillies are the team of destiny this year. Destined to win it all? We'll find out soon enough whether or not that's the case if they're eliminated in this NLCS. (laughs) about
1: Chris Russo, who said, write it down. If the Diamondbacks win the next two games and win the series in seven games, I will retire on the spot. If they win, I will retire on the spot. So, Um, uh, Mad Dog's got uh, the retirement on the line and one guy's got a a decent amount of uh, a payout for Arizona to advance and win over the Rangers.
2: I mean, Mad Dog's made a lot
1: of money. So this could just be him. It makes ten grand every appearance on first take.
2: It could, it could be just him, you know, wanting an out uh, at this point. <laughs> He's like, you know, I've really thought for a while about moving out to my cabin in Idaho and just ending this this racket. So here's my chance. I really think the Phillies are going to win. So I'm going to put my neck on the line. But you know, if they lose, I can go ahead. And it makes my decision for me. I don't have to make the decision on when to retire. I'll retire with that Phillies loss if they I mean, lose two at home.
1: Yeah, the quote. I've been wrong on Arizona from day one. And I would not be stunned if they won tonight. So I'm at game six. I would be floored. I'll say this right now. Write it down. If they win the next two, I'll retire on the spot. Um, so 5 1 yesterday was the final.
2: Do we think this is the first time that he said something like that? Um, that a guy that goes by Mad Dog has ever threatened no, something that he's not followed through on? No. I'm willing it, to bet we could go through the archive of his show and he has claimed something. He's like, I will set myself on fire. If the Yankees don't win this World Series this year, I will set myself on fire on air. I bet we can find a clip. We won't be able to play it, but I bet we could find a clip of him saying something like that at some point in his career.
1: Well, what if you're serious XM?
2: Oh, they're like, uh, we uh, invest a lot of money in you. Yeah, please please don't retire. Yeah, my buddy Jared Stillman will fill in for his time slot at that point, <laughs> who's on Mad Dog Radio. It'll be a big gift for him. We need to text Stilly and find out whether or not he's excited about the possibility that Mad Dog is going to retire. I guarantee he's wearing a Diamondbacks jersey today so he can fall into that spot. Or does he just play it back and say, I'm going to donate this instead? Here's what I'll do. I'll take uh, my next two weeks' pay, and I'll donate it to an Arizona children's hospital.
1: I don't think the... So here's... With with the MLB season, Jeb, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. The World Series matchup of Texas against Arizona is not going to be one that is celebrated like we should be celebrating the season with the the rules changes that absolutely crushed it, right? Um, the, the pitch clock that seemed thrown together during spring training. Players adjusted and it worked. More viewers, more winning franchises than the, 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 that were losing franchises. They have made runs, exciting seasons, winning divisions, and fans were back. And meanwhile, you've got the other storylines of the, the owners that went all in not winning it all. And yet the small markets or the rosters that really no average fan could name three or four, as you mentioned, may advance. It's not going to advance past. Uh, I'll tune in. If I flip past the channel, I I think it's tough to sell it for MLB. Because they don't sell much of anything individually like they should. It's more team-based and big market-based. And that's where the eyeballs go throughout the season with their television partners. And that's why you don't know much about the Rangers or, or the Diamondbacks. It's not their fault. They've done it the right way. You know, they've, they've made trades at the deadline. They've acquired talent in the offseason. Meanwhile, the payrolls elsewhere can, can be low and you can still win. It just won't be celebrated as the season where some of the fans on the fence or just the the average fan that would randomly tune in if there was nothing else on was actually watching on a more consistent basis. I was one of those. And even I was saying the postseason wasn't living up to my
2: expectations based on what we saw down the stretch to win pennants. I think here is ultimately the issue with Major League Baseball that they've got to face head on. And I don't know exactly the answer other than – cultivate, develop star power more across Major League Baseball. Here's the big issue. Hutton, you're dead on right. This was a season where rules changes were universally applauded by those on the fence about baseball that aren't huge fans that said, oh, this is a better product. I might take in a few more games or go to a few more games or watch a little bit more in the middle of the summer because I like these rules changes while also being met in the middle by the Died in the old-timey baseball fan who said, you know, these rules changes aren't as bad as I expected because I hate change in baseball, and I thought it'd be terrible, and it's not. It's better than I thought it would be. That is a big win for Major League Baseball. Here is where you reap the big losses. There's not enough people who truly care about baseball more than football. So while everyone will watch in the summer when there's no football and be into their team, it becomes a domino effect of – People checking out when their team's no longer playing once football season hits. they got to find a way to get the masses of sport to pay attention to Astros-Rangers the same way sports fans will pay attention to Bucks, falcons if it's a playoff game. Why? Because it's an NFL playoff game. And that's what we watch because we care more about football. That's the next frontier for Major League Baseball. Yes. It's got a great regional following. You follow your team, but to take that from the micro to the macro, from I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan to I'm going to watch every second of game seven between the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Philadelphia Phillies, there's just not enough sports fans like that right now to make the dent that they need to make on television and in national interest when they go head to head, to head with football season. Well, that,
1: that's the big issue for them. Well, they don't, the issue is it's more of the market interest than it is the league interest, right? With the NFL, yeah, can have, a, you can have any team in the Super Bowl you want to.
2: Like I said, but St. Louis Cardinals fan from I'm only following the Cardinals to I'm watching every second of this playoff game because it's a playoff game, and that's why. But,
1: but the Cardinal fan may do that. You know, they're among the best. You know, Braves fans may tune in, but uh, is you know are Rays fans tuning in? You know, are Orioles fans tuned in to the series? I think that, you know, that, that's where you've kind of had a disconnect, where your team's not that good and you've been disconnected from, uh, in the O's case, you've been disconnected to the point where you just kind of tune it out and you're on to the Ravens, right? Um, but the 2022 World Series averaged 11.6 million viewers, and that was down. That was the second lowest viewership draw in World Series history, second only to Dodgers and Rays in 2020. So, I mean, what did either team that wins tonight do against
2: 11.6 million, you said?
1: 11.6. I got a number number to compare that with when we come back. All right. Plus, we're on the bus, off the bus with NFL headlines next. (laughs) So, Chad, 11.8 million viewers was the average for the World Series last year, which is a six-game series. Between the Astros and the Phillies. 11.8. We were comparing just earlier about what does Arizona Texas do or <laughs> Philadelphia Texas pool for ratings in the World Series. Not uh, probably something similar to
2: that. Yeah. So how does that compare to <clears throat> other sports that we talk that about? That was the second lowest, by the way. Yeah. Um, Tennessee Alabama on Saturday did over 8 million viewers. It's one random game. In the middle of the day, uh, on national television, it's way too close. That is the premier event for a professional sport, and it's baseball. America's pastime. Yeah, In one SEC game, two teams in the Deep South played each other, and that number nationally is really close to the World Series. That's where baseball's got to try to get. I don't know how they do it, but... If you ever want to ask the question of, you know, why why are these guys not reading box scores and just recapping every single playoff game in Major League Baseball or talking about this, that's why. How much time have we honestly spent on Tennessee, Alabama this week? Not a ton. We've mentioned it. We've talked a little bit about it. That game, though, is pretty close to a World Series overall rating and number of people watching and number of eyeballs. That's where Major League Baseball, while... When you separate it out and it's parceled is very popular by individual team and individual market. When you look at it as a brand and it's playoff product as a whole, it's got a long way to go. Well, the- we watch NFL playoff games just because, not because our team is playing. Most of our teams are out of the playoffs by the time it comes around. We watch because the NFL playoffs are on. We, we need to. For baseball well, to take the next step, Hutton, they've got to get to that point where we're doing that with them as well.
1: We, we watch because they're on, but we watch even the regular season because it's on literally every network you can turn on yeah, or streaming device. Now, the, the,
2: that's a different it, beast it, it, with it, the it, amount of games for Major well, League amount Baseball of, and amount and of games, But also,
1: like even if it's like big in certain markets and massive in individual markets, a lot of those diehard fans can't even see every single game based on the contracts and how Major League Baseball has this set up recently. It's been very difficult with games blacked out for the Rockies, for instance, uh, because of whatever's going on with the the television issues there. That That's another factor here where even the diehards are complaining about not being able to see their team play in their market. That's a problem. And that's affected uh, MLB, where, as in the NFL's case, you can log in and now you can get on YouTube and you can get every game, every game that you want. Certain prices available, there it is. And the the average fan isn't able to do that in Major League Baseball based on just how you know, the bankruptcy issues took place.
2: Yeah, and that's what um, – it's so regionalized. That's why any SEC game, which you hear Southeastern Conference yeah, – go ahead. And if you don't understand too sports – It's
1: too regional. Yeah, you don't understand sports, BS. you
2: would say that it would be too regional, right? Right. That's BS. The Southeastern Conference, numbers-wise, is way more national than the St. Louis Cardinals. Chad,
1: I would argue right now... You yeah, can an individual wake up, baseball you, team, You can right? wake up in what used to be coast, coast-to-coast radio. You're talking Yankees. You, you would talk Dodgers, LeBron, whichever coast he's playing on in any given year. Uh, and you're, you're discussing the New York Giants and Jets and, oh, it's all about East Coast, West Coast. You can wake up and talk any coast and mention Nick Saban. And it is a national brand. You can discuss Jim Harbaugh or Ohio State, Penn State, or Tennessee, Alabama. And it's a national brand. And those that don't get that are idiots.
2: Yeah. Well, and also, I would explain it to people who don't understand that this way. The SEC is the NFL of college football. College football is the number two sport in America behind the NFL. So if you're talking SEC or even Big Ten in in some cases, you're talking about the NFL of the second biggest league, second most watched thing going. That's the easiest way I can break it down, simplest way I can break it down for those that don't understand. Chad, the Dolphins in-season hard
1: knocks. Are you surprised that the Dolphins are all in for HBO's in-season hard knocks. I
2: I am a bit. I, I'm shocked I am. that the NFL and HBO were able to get it this right twice in one year. Are you kidding me? They got the Jets with Aaron Rodgers, which was a huge hit, and well, the absolute team they needed Jets to get. Jets were forced. Yes, Jets were forced. But I'm saying the fact they got it done. And then they get the Dolphins that, for me, Mike McDaniel's who I want to watch. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, bravo. Like, am I surprised that a team wants to do it? I I don't know. I'm I'm on the opposite side of this where I think you're foolish not to do it, and I don't understand the big, you know, oh, it's this huge problem. And, I mean, get over it. This is part of selling your sport and selling your own franchise. Like, I know that the NFL feels like they're above all of that and don't need to market themselves in any way, and they just don't want the distraction. And I understand the way coaches are wired for that. But me, the viewer, the lover of entertainment, bring it on. This is the absolute team I'd want to sign up for an in-season Hard Knocks.
1: Yes, and I think part of this is uh, uh, two, two factors. Um, they, why you don't want it as an organization in-season is exactly what happened to the Colts in-season, where they have that losing streak down the stretch. All they have to do is go and win in Jacksonville, and then you have the behind-the-scenes access where – Carson Wentz is kind of laughing and smiling as he gets off, goes off the field into the locker room after that loss, and they're losing to Jacksonville yet again. They continue to do so as an organization without Wentz. And you have Jonathan Taylor and company just acting like pros and trying to act like, yeah, you know, we just lost a playoff game in season. This sucks. Frank Reich's speech was yeah. nothing to behold. And you get an inside look of things that you probably don't yeah. want as a narrative on the outside. That's one
2: area to look at. The other Well, it completely changed my opinion of Frank Wright. Yeah, me too. But that's a Frank Wright problem. You know, right. I don't look at that. I think if you're an alpha coach out there, if you're looking at it like, man, this can make me look bad, then you got problems. Yeah. <laughs> right? Well and, and if you're going into it thinking, Man, I don't know how I'm gonna look on this thing because I give really lukewarm, limp post game talks when we lose in disappointing fashion, then you're probably not cut out for it either way.
1: Well, and now you've got the the Dolphins who are coming off a loss to Philadelphia. And the end season, I believe, starts in November and runs to the end of the season. It'll be great. The other factor here is why the NFL loves this, international access. It's Dolphins, Chiefs in Germany. Don't get that twisted. They're taking NFL films with them on that too.
2: They're bringing a team to Munich also eventually. Is that the next frontier? Full European division?
1: Germany is, is a massive market for them with the sports betting. And I think that would be market number two. They've wanted to get back for a while. And games sold out fast there, too. They've got a great game. yeah. Kansas City and Miami. Um, it's time to go on the bus, off the bus, as we hop aboard with Davey Hudson driving.
0: Guys, we will not be going to Germany on this trip. If we had a plane, we might make that – that uh voyage but right now we're gonna stick uh the schedule I'm just giving you a heads up we're kind of all over the place we're at least gonna start here in Nashville and and then we'll we'll figure out where we're going after that but we're gonna start here in the great state of Tennessee and the Titans will move running back Derrick Henry before the trade deadline next Tuesday
1: I'm on the bus with this but I'm on the bus as long as they get the return that they want I think the market for Kevin Byard was a fifth and a sixth plus a player in return. Um, I mean, are you doing that for a fifth and a sixth for, for Henry? It, it wasn't, by the way, a salary dump with Byard. They'd already paid him $7 million up front on the contract that he was owed this year. Uh, in the other case with Henry, you'd have to have a team that is going to pony up at least something similar of a fourth or fifth, make it conditional, whatever, but also pick up the salary. It's very hard to do, but for a team that – needs to rebuild and should have admitted it sooner. I'm on the bus with this chat.
2: I'm on the bus. I know the Titans want to make it happen after this Bayard move. It only makes sense. They're clearly turning the page and and starting their rebuild, which is the smart move, by the way, is what they should be doing and thinking right now. Um, I don't know that they're going to have a willing trade partner to give them what they want, but I think that they're going to compromise. I think they got fleeced on Bayard personally. Uh, with that price that they got. I think they're going to get fleeced by someone else because they want to get rid of Henry and they want something in return as opposed to nothing
1: at the end of the season. So I think they're going to make the move. According to Rossini, no no interest
0: in Henry at this point. Be interesting if that changes. There were no big running back injuries this weekend, but guys, we're going to go heading on up to Washington, D.C. And I think we all know that Ron Rivera will not be back next season. If you disagree, go ahead and stop me there. But... Ron Rivera will not make it to the end of the season as the commander's head coach. Go ahead, Jack.
2: I, I'm going to I'm going to go off the bus. Um, he is a well-respected guy around the league. I, I, I know Josh Harris is new, and maybe he wants to make waves. I think he makes waves with the next hire and the direction they're going to go. He's going to try to go big with that next hire. I don't think he's coming in going total scorched earth and firing Ron Rivera in season. They'll wait until after the season. Uh, to make the move, I do think he's going to be gone at the end of the season. But I'm off the bus that it's happening in season.
1: See, I'm on the bus because Jonathan Allen's already popping off.
2: Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Uh,
1: publicly, Eric is the new offensive coordinator there. If you want to do an about face on what the organization was perceived to be, and while the clamoring for Bieniemy has had 16 plus interviews and hasn't landed one head coaching job. Harris can come in, take over the organization, and have the enemy as the interim coach, and he gets to prove it or not. But if you're going to do that, it's sooner rather than later. But Washington losing to New York, well, that's not a great sign for Ron Rivera because it's more of the same. And Harris did say publicly, it, for as great as Rivera has done in a terrible situation, and I say he was not applauded enough last year, given their record and given all of the distraction, it's about wins and losses. He needs to start winning now. Stack wins immediately.
0: Otherwise, it's happening in season. Guys, as we travel to our next stop, we'll be blasting Creed all along the way because we're headed down to Dallas, Texas. Give me some ambient. Yeah,
2: on Davey only wanted to bring this up so you could mention Creed one more time. Me. That's not
0: nice. is, right. that is that all you listen sort to? Sort of on right? pitch
2: there. If I'm it's not Creed, free. what are you listening to?
0: I love like 90s hits. Uh, give me some Boys Matchbox 20. Goo goo dolls. 20, okay. That's interesting
2: because that's not in your like uh, adolescent wheelhouse. I
0: love I no. feel like a
2: man of your age. No. This is like uh, me liking late seventies, eighties music. Yes. More than nineties music. I
0: listen to a lot of Boston, Led Zeppelin. And my ringtone still to this day, just because I want to be the one guy that has music as his ringtone, is uh, more than a feeling by Boston. That's good. And everyone's I like just like, "Why does he still have music?" It's like because I want to, and it stands out. So I, but, I like
2: but, '80s music too. Uh, '90s music is more Hutton
0: and I's wheelhouse, but hey, yeah. more
2: power to you. I, I jump on the bandwagon. I, I jump on the bus with us. There are very on few, '90s music. We're yeah. all for it.
0: Oh yeah, there are very few genres. What the of hell was the question I again? Will Rangers. Will the, the Rangers series? win the World Series? Uh, I'm all on it. Go and I, I'm take it. Off #Hashtag the bus. Go and Take It.
2: I, I'm off the bus. I'm still in. In with Phillies Uh, until proven otherwise they're still alive they got a game seven coming up today give me the Phillies
1: the Rangers have flat out gotten it done they flat out get it done I'm on the bus with this uh because they have been the team in the postseason that's been relatively consistent Philly has been until you know the Diamondbacks the young roster all of a sudden got a spark and I mean with the way the Rangers perform on the road uh can they go to Philly and win? Sure. Arizona just did it.
0: Okay. 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 All right. NBA season kicks off tonight. We're headed out to Denver, Colorado. And I, I re- the odds of an NBA team are repeating are slim to none. I'm excited for our conversation with Robert Rory coming up. But will one of the four teams playing tonight win the NBA championship? That is Denver, Denver. Uh, The Los Angeles Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, or the Golden State Warriors, they are four of the top six teams in terms of odds to win it this year.
2: No, I'll answer quickly. Yes, one of the four teams will. It'll be the Phoenix Suns. That's who I placed a bet on earlier today to win it all. So I'm not going with Denver to repeat.
1: The Suns are my champion. I'm on the bus with this as well. It is one of these. I'm not saying it's a repeat, but it is one of the top four of the six you just mentioned uh, that are playing tonight. And for good reason. The star power's all there.
0: Yeah, the Bucks and the Celtics have the best odds, both teams, coming out of the East. I would anticipate one of those two teams representing the Eastern Conference, but, hey, long season ahead.
1: Coming up, more headlines, including uh, the Falcons, who are coming to Nashville for Week 8. But the NFL's looking into the injury designation for B. John Robinson, who played one snap. That's next.